everyone. Um, I'm Ellie Lowe. And I'm Tammy Rao. And we are so excited to begin our next interview of the series. Through our series, we will be talking to medical professionals and members of our community who are passionate about cancer awareness. Today, we are meeting with Diana. She's a senior from the United States and the leader of a student-led organization named Stevi. We are so excited to have her on board. Diana, can you give us a quick introduction about yourself? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So my name is Diana. I'm from San Jose, California, and I'm currently a senior in Lee High School. Um, I'm really interested in computational biology and also physics, math, chemistry, really all of the fields of STEM, but mostly bio and computer science. And I actually hadn't really gotten into STEM um, until around my sophomore year. And before that, I was just really into percussion. Um, so I am a musician at heart and STEM is relatively new for me, but I really love both of them. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. So what inspired you to lead STEMI? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, at the beginning of quarantine, we really wanted to, we were just in the process of making online classes, um, sorry, of making in-person classes for our elementary schools and um, our districts, us being the co-founders. And then when COVID came, we were restricted and that we couldn't actually go to the elementary schools anymore. And they were a little um, uncomfortable with having that through Zoom. So we started to change it up a little bit and we um, made online classes for middle schoolers. And for me, the main purpose of the online classes is like, we know that we can't really beat Khan Academy or Coursera or Udemy. Um, but what's really important for us is providing that peer-to-peer -peer support, especially guiding middle schoolers to find what programs and what resources they can use. You know, what are the best resources, the best opportunities for them to explore STEM. And that's something that I struggled with when I was younger because um, I didn't really have people in my life to really guide me into what STEM programs I should explore. And so that is something that I really wanted to help um, give back to the community in terms of just what can you get involved in and, and how. I can tell you're really passionate about this. Um, so you said you're interested in all aspects of STEM. Are you also perhaps interested in biomedical engineering? Um, and if so, why? Yeah, so um, I actually got into biomedical engineering relatively recently. Um, and I started doing computer science over the summer. Um, I actually, I started a year ago, but really more intensely, I started this summer with web development, artificial intelligence, um, data science, and just uh, dynamic programming um, principles. And I really enjoyed that intersection between computer science and biology. So creating problems, computational problems that apply to medical or biological situations. Um, like there were a few problems I worked with um, that involved like, how can you model COVID, um, COVID, the spread of COVID through a computer program? And so I really liked that intersection. And I found this program at John Hopkins University um, called BMEI or Biomedical Engineering Innovation. And they said that they were, um, going to explore the intersection between not only computer science and biology, but also math, physics, and chemistry. And so I'd taken chemistry and physics before in class, in school, and that also really fascinated me. So I wanted to see how I could merge all of those subjects into one. I thought that was really interesting 
that you can take all of these super different disciplines and um, combine them. And so when I went to that program, well, virtually went to the program um, because it was during the pandemic, I got to explore a lot more engineering than I ever had. Um, so I worked a lot with uh, Arduino circuits and um, just com creating computer programs for like um, heart rate monitors. So we used heart, sen uh, heart rate sensors and um, projects like that. And it was a lot more engineering than I had ever done. I never taken an engineering class before, um, but I really enjoyed it and I really, like the, the prospect of just creating items that have biological applications. Before I had just been studying biology. And so it's really exciting to actually create a product. Absolutely, there's so many overlaps in these subjects. And for a lot of people, I guess like physics and math, it comes intuitively that those things are connected. But um, engineering and medicine is something that isn't as intuitive to people. Um, so how do you think that's, can be applied in more specifics to diseases like cancer? Yeah, so with, with diseases like cancer, with any disease, uh, medical disease, there's a lot going on at the molecular level. And so there's a lot, um, for example, in many diseases, proteins are, um, something is malfunctioning with proteins. And a lot of um, biophysicists study the physics behind proteins. So the physical principles that keep the protein together, how do those malfunction? How can we fix those? Um, so if you apply those principles at the molecular level, you can create a lot of um, interesting technologies targeted towards those mechanisms. And I think especially with um, biomedical engineering, a big part is creating biomaterials. So I think um, recently with, with cancer, they've created a lot of, of specific devices um, that they require engineering, right? Because they're, they're hardware um, and they also require some software, but they actually are, are mainly targeting the mechanism of the disease. Um, I recently read about a company called Predioxin. Uh, the name is a little bit um, difficult to pronounce, but they made um, a device that monitors cancer patients receiving CART therapy, um, which basically uses a patient's immune cells that have been genetically engineered to recognize a specific protein on tumor cells. So yeah, if you want to read more about that, it's from uh, a Cornell University lab, uh, specifically by Carolyn Landau and um, Dr. McHugh. That's really interesting. Has, do you know of any of them that have been applied yet into the industry? So I, um, I'm not too experienced with this intersection um, between cancer and biomedical engineering, um, but I do know that his, that specific treatment was actually applied to devices. They had um, an exemption from the FDA, so not yet approval, but there was a case with a patient um, experiencing cytokine release syndrome. And so they were able to actually apply that device to his case. So as we've been talking about diseases, right? Um, of course, one of the biggest diseases we are talking about right now is COVID-19. Um, how have you seen the biomedical industry change because of COVID-19? 
Yeah, so one of the biggest things um, with COVID-19 and just any scientific discipline is that it's a lot harder for um, everyone to go to the labs. So I know when I was doing the program at John Hopkins, um, we learned that the undergrads and graduates and uh, everyone who was working there at the labs, um, they had a very strict rotation schedule. And so it was a lot harder for them to collaborate. So obviously that would hinder the progression and the growth of the industry. Um, but also, I, they were also, um, as I said before, biomedical engineering is really um, involved in biomaterials. And so they were really focused. I know a lot of biomedical engineers were focused on producing um, like ventilators and other biomaterials applicable to COVID. So that started to become a really um, a more prominent sector of the industry. And then I think one of the other things besides biomaterials and just um, limited times in labs is that they started to focus more on immunoengineering just because that's what's required, right? Um, to fight the immune response uh, associated with or to, yeah, to help the immune response associated with COVID-19. So immunoengineering has already been, um, from what I've seen, there's already been a lot of work there. And I think now, especially with um, with COVID and with this virus, they see the this utter importance of that field and just expanding um, on those types of research. So, you know, now with COVID, new, like the new norms, they're changing every day. And so how do you think, you talked already a little bit about how you think biomedical engineering is going to adapt in the future. Um, but are you optimistic about, for example, the future of cancer research and how biomedical engineering can help that? Yeah, so I think um, like cancer research, especially recently, uh, or like in the last century, uh, has taken a huge rise. And in terms of like finding a cure for cancer, um, I think that when you combine these disciplines, and you're not only look, you're not only using biology to attack cancer, but you're also using physics and engineering and chemistry and math and computer science when you're when you have all of those tools in your arsenal you're a lot more equipped to actually fight the disease um, because as i was saying before with like immunoengineering um, what they can do and for example one of the professors at john hopkins biomedical engineering dr spangler dr jamie spangler um, she works with like engineering better versions essentially of like T-cell receptors. So they engineered T-cell receptors that have a higher affinity for antigens, which just means they, they do their job a lot better. Um, and so with that, if, if you're able to engineer these types of proteins and molecules um, that interact with the actual mechanism of the whole disease, you just have like huge potential for treating the disease, right? Because the engineering part allows you to really attack it at the molecular level. And so I think that aspect, just the combining all the disciplines and the fact that there's already so many uh, amino engineering research projects and, you know, um, focus on T cell receptors and just um, all of these other small molecules in your body will really help not only like the treatments for cancer, but, you know, COVID, uh, other immune disorders and um, just medical diseases in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, now, as you were saying, with the research growing, um, the industry developing, 
there must be an increasing demand um, and popularity of the subject amongst our generation. Um, what advice would you give to students like that who are looking into these topics? So my biggest advice, um, and I don't think this is applicable for everyone, but I think that um, for me, when I was a sophomore and a freshman, I only did music. And that was really great for me because I got to really expand uh, my capabilities in that subject. And I, you know, I went to like world championships. Point is that I only did music. And so until like the, the end of sophomore year, I had no idea about all of these STEM innovations. And I think it's really important to expand your range. So you should definitely focus really hard on one subject, but also don't limit yourself to like other possibilities. And um, for example, when in, in my junior year, I did Science Olympiad, Science Bowl, and USA Biology Olympiad. And they actually played really well together because I did similar topics. So I still got to study a lot about like CRISPR and genetics, um, but I, I got to explore in each, in each um, program, extracurricular, I got to explore very different aspects of science. So um, I would just recommend to first keep an open mind because as, as when I was like, uh, when I was younger, I thought that I was only going to do biology. That's the only subject I was going to do. And um, you have to realize that like in traditional school systems, they don't really teach you the full extent and potential of most of the subjects. You know, for example, with, with math, um, there was an example that one of our past speakers gave at STEMI that the Pythagorean theorem is so integral to like the, the research in astrophysics and dark matter and dark energy and stuff like this that you would never imagine as a, like a sixth grader learning the concept. You just see those a squared plus b squared equals c squared and you think that's super boring. So I'd encourage you to really take a, a academics and academia beyond the school level because that uh, while you gain very important practical skills in school, you won't gain the inspiration necessarily for, for most fields, um, especially if you don't see how it applies in your real life and your universe. And so I think that extracurriculars for STEM are the most important. Um, you know, nonprofit organizations, for example, really great ways to connect with other individuals um, and to, to see what opportunities they have in, oh, they have in store, what they've been pursuing. And so you get a lot of ideas about what you could do. Um, and so, yeah, nonprofit organizations are a really good STEM community. I think it's also great to get involved in research at a young age. I didn't get that opportunity, but um, a lot of, especially a lot of Bay Area students, um, they try their best to get into research really early. And so um, they get like hands-on experience with STEM. And that's really important because you get to see how it applies in your life, right? As I was saying, you don't get that inspiration from school. Um, and other things like besides research, there's a lot of competitions you can get into. Uh, personally, I really like competitions and I think that the best part of most of them are that there's a lot of collaborative ones. So like Science Bowl and Science Olympiad, you get to work in a team. So you're not only learning STEM, you're not just studying, um, but you're also learning how to work in a team. And that's really important um, for any field you go into. Science, yeah, those two are good. Um, there's also like taking 
different subjects to uh, like a more competitive level with uh, even individually. So USA Biology Olympiad. Oh, this is for USA. Sorry. Uh, you know, even if you're international, I'm sure there's um, there's Olympiads around there and any competitions you can find because especially with competitions, it's um, you get a lot more motivation and incentive to actually pursue your project or whatever you're studying. Whereas if you're just studying for fun, um, you know, that is also amazing that you would do that in the first place. But it's also, you know, you might be a lot more discouraged to actually like fully fulfill, um, fully study and learn about that subject. So, yeah. And the last thing with, if you're specifically interested in biomedical engineering, um, I would recommend not just the, like in addition to these more general um, advice points that I was mentioning, uh, a, a lot of the biomedical engineering teacher assistants at the John Hopkins course that I was mentioning, they were really involved in robotics because again, the, a big part of biomedical engineering is that second word, engineering. And robotics is a really great place to apply your skills in computer science and engineering. And it's also just really awesome to be able to make robots in the first place. Um, so I would definitely recommend if you're interested in that field to pursue robotics um, if you can, as well as um, just biology related extracurriculars. And, um, you know, to also realize that that field is very interdisciplinary. So you have to, um, if you're applying for biomedical engineering, for example, you don't have to be like, completely proficient in every single subject that is included. Um, but just make sure you're not set on only biology and only engineering. Um, yeah. Great. Thank you so much. This has been an amazing interview. So much insight um, into the field as well as advice as someone who has learned about it and seen the change. So thank you so much again. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. Thank you everyone for joining us. We hope you enjoy the interview. Bye. Thank you.